ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and I—I uh, I guess there's an easy way to start Brett in this one. This is probably the earliest time in recent history the Arizona Wildcats basketball team has been eliminated from postseason play. I'm recording this on December 29th, and the year 2020 had one more good thing for Arizona athletics: the Wildcats self-imposed a postseason ban one year which means any postseason in the 2020-2021 season, so that's the Pac-12 tournament and a potential NCAA tournament, the Wildcats will not be a part of. Yeah, I think that maybe Arizona was just trying to get it all out of the way in 2020 to make 2021 better uh, (laughs) by announcing that today. Um, (laughs) It's not, I mean, it was shocking, if not surprising, I guess I would say. Um, because we, we all knew that something was coming on Pike. It seemed all indications to date were more to go, you know, go down the fighting path with the, the independent border view, but there's no sense of timing there. And you're falling under the realm of the general vague, uh, you know, um, institutional control question. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, unless the NCAA has evidence that we haven't seen, Arizona doesn't even have the most amount of evidence avail- publicly available to like get the book thrown at them. No pun intended. Uh, um, but this is a way to get ahead of it and potentially a smart way to do it. And given the uncertainty of the, you know, 2021 March madness, um, given COVID times uh, and your team is looking good so far this year, but you know, I don't think anybody necessarily expects this Arizona current roster to to uh, make a Final Four run, but it's a it, we'll see if it even impacts anything and what ultimately comes. And right now, we just don't know. And, and that's it, right there. There's a lot of people who don't believe in self-imposing bans and things like this because they're like, it doesn't impact what's going to come down from the NCAA or from the investigative. I think the arbitration. I forget what they're called. The initials they have, but whoever that group is, like, there's no. We don't know if this is part of some sort of deal or if they looked in this like, hey, do this. And then it's just going to be maybe a couple scholarships and Sean Miller suspended for half a season. You know, we don't know if this is going to help. So a lot of people look at it and say, why would you do this? Because if it doesn't help, if the NCAA is still going to punish you or if you're still going to get punished, are they going to look and say, well, yeah, you did this on your own. But this is three years after this all went down to begin with. You've been denying it all for three years. And then if the NCAA tournament doesn't happen or it's a weird season, like we don't know how this will impact things. The only thing we do know is that for this season, Arizona will not be playing in the tournament. And like we don't, I mean, they're, they're seven and one this season. They were coming off a nice win over Colorado, a home win, which we'd like to be talking about 88, 74, the really good offensive performance, especially in this defense in the second half was good enough, plenty good enough, but we're not talking about that because Arizona is not going to be going to the tournament. And, I don't, 
Like this team was never going to be judged by the tournament. Stuff. Like if they got to the tournament and made a run, it'd been like, wow, that's amazing. You know, that's great. This team was always going to be judged by other things. So to that regard, it's not devastating. This wasn't a Final Four or bust team, at least for me. Now for the players, you have to wonder how they feel. Because now a lot of we all looked at this team and said this is a multi-year roster. That the big stars are going to be at least two seasons. And if you go by that logic, okay, you get the postseason ban out of the way this year and next season, that's the year. And you need to make sure you're able to go to the postseason and make a run. Like that's possible. You know, that could work out. And then the other bonus to doing this now is when it comes to recruiting, you can look at recruits and say, it's all behind us. Like we missed the postseason last year. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it yourself. But that's only if the NCAA a and the arbitration board the whatever the mediation board says this was enough and we just don't know so it's possible that we're going to look back on this say five years from now after jed fish leaves to go become the new coach at auburn or alabama or some great school because he's amazing like when if that happens five years from now and we're saying well arizona missed the postseason in 2021 and they were still given a two-year ban on top of that so 2022 and 2023 and it's like well why would you do that like that that backfired spectacularly so there's a lot of unknowns but i it wasn't because this wasn't supposed to be a team that made a deep run in the tournament it's not doesn't feel as devastating to me but for those players who got off to a really good start and some terrell brown transferred to arizona i would think to play at a higher stage and go to the tournament you know jordan brown transferred here you know james akinjo transferred here i release a senior now i know they can call come back this year doesn't count against them for eligibility if they want to return but just it can't be easy for them now having to play the rest of this this wonky season, knowing that like they can win a Pac-12 championship, yes, which probably means in a lot of ways means you're a better team than just winning a Pac-12 tournament or even NCAA tournament. Those are more fluky. But like without the carrots of a championship, an NCAA championship playing on that stage, I'm interested to see how they fare. I really am. Yeah, and I think there's only two seniors on the roster from from the eligibility question, that's Irely and Terrell Brown. And both should be able to come back, which also sidebar begs the question of if we get scholarship reduction in position, but people are granted eligibility without sacrificing scholarships, how does that play out? Because my understanding is that, you know, a 13 scholarship max becomes 16 next year because you allow people to come back. But that's, we'll see. <laughs> that's you know, that's like, fourth dimensional chess that the NCAA can't, you know, play checkers most of the time. No, they're playing Um, (laughs) tic-tac-toe. And losing to a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, I think you're definitely right in the sense of it should help with next year's recruiting saying, Hey, we already self-imposed the ban for 2021 uh, postseason. This should set you up for, uh, you know, it, I, I think it would be surprising if the NCAA added more years of postseason bans to, you know, to Arizona. It's not impossible. Would it be, though? I, if you're going to do that to Arizona, you better freaking do that to a number of teams because the actual evidence that's out there, and I don't just say this trying to be a, sound like a homer. I know it's going to, but like, people are still banding about the DeAndre Ayton thing that is basically fully debunked and BS. And now there's the book Richardson stuff is, is a real thing. Right. But like what evidence do you have there to tie the school or Sean Miller directly 
if it's what was in the the HBO documentary and in the FBI case, there wasn't that much, right? Um, and there, other schools have, you know, z- z- there, Zion Williamson, there's a sworn affidavit of somebody saying, yeah, <laughs> I was the middleman to pay him $400,000. Like, you know, if you're going to throw the book, no, again, no pun intended, at Arizona, I think you're going to end up, you know, I don't think the NCAA wants to kill the golden goose and I think they want to make example, but they also don't want to set a precedent that they're not willing to follow up on. Um, and I think if you're Arizona here, you, I don't know if it's too little too late in terms of impacting whatever resolution comes. Uh, but I think it maybe moves the needle slightly and gives a little bit more control as to when you're going to feel that pain, at least in terms of a postseason ban unless it gets another year extended. But I, I don't think that's likely, but that's just pure speculation on my part. It could be a way of ripping the bandaid off now and moving on. And we've all said that we want, like, we just want this to end. Whatever the punishment's going to be, whatever the penalty's going to be, let it happen so the program and everyone can move on. I think it was interesting. You parsed the words of the statements that were released. You know, there was one from the University of Arizona. I don't know who that's, I mean, it's just from the school. One from Dave Hickey and one from Sean Miller. And the one from the University of Arizona says, quote, the decision is an acknowledgment that the NCAA's investigation revealed that certain former members of the men's basketball staff displayed serious lapses in judgment and a departure from the university's expectation of honest and ethical behavior. There's a lot more to it, but that former members of, you know, certain former members of the program. So obviously they're trying to pin the blame and whatever happened. They're acknowledging that something happened. We all, we all know something happened. I mean, that was admitted. That was in court. It was, you know, like, so the question is who was responsible? So by doing this, they're clearly trying to say, we got rid of the people who did this. They're not part of the program anymore. Now, whether you believe that or not, that's entirely up to you. I'm not here to tell you that that's the honest to God truth. But that's what they're trying. That's the message they're trying to portray. The message they're trying to give is that, hey, we know there was something wrong that happened, but the people that did commit the crimes are no longer here. Like, we're trying to move forward. We're trying to clean this up because we know that wasn't okay. Does this work? <laughs> we can only hope. We're Arizona fans. You know, now you wonder how Sean Miller feels about this because he's been pretty outspoken and of his innocence. It's not great. He never said nothing ever happened. He just said he had a part in it that he didn't know. So people say, like, oh, I thought Sean Miller, you know, it's like, no, this, this has nothing to like, What Arizona is trying to say is this has nothing to do with Sean Miller other than the institutional control thing. You know, that could be what the institutional gets really upset about. Hey, those were your assists. You let it happen. Uh, Miller's quote in the statement was, quote, I understand and fully support the university's decision to self-impose a one-year postseason ban on our men's basketball program. Our team will remain united and aggressively compete to win a Pac-12 championship. I I mean, it's, it's a stand on what you expect him to say, especially in a university release statement. Like, I'm sure his real thoughts are not in this. But just I'll be really curious to see where he and the team go from here because they got off to a good start. It's not the most talented team we've ever seen in Tucson, but they got off to a good start. They're playing hard. They seem to be improving. Do they keep that up- upwards trajectory? Because if they do, if they t- keep this season and look at it as a way to build towards what should be an outstanding team next se- next year that can go to the tournament and can win the tournament, then it'll be worth it. But if this team kind of falls apart, breaks apart, and you start to see players saying, well, I'm not going to stick around for that, and now if I can't go to the tournament, I'm going to you know, play hero ball or just try to audition for the NBA, Like it could go sideways. So I'm really interested to see how Miller and that team respond to the fact that here we are, the I guess, the end of December, and the NCAA tournament is already out of the question. Yeah, I think that's all 
fair, and it'll be really interesting to see how the team does go down the line. It'll be a real test of Sean Miller's leadership and his relationship with the, the players on the current roster and his ability as a leader. Um, <laughs> but also, there's a there's a non-zero chance there may not be a Pac-12 tournament or March Madness again based but, on coronavirus. <laughs> and, and, if, and if that happens, like people, some people have speculated, like, oh, this might be a year there's no tournament anyway, so haha, you know, joke's on you, NCAA. We got around the postseason ban you are going to give us. It's like, if that was to happen, then maybe... Maybe that won't help. Maybe it won't help that they ban themselves from a postseason that never happened. Like, if we looked like they had done this last season, would have been like, oh, well, I guess you tried to punish yourselves, even though it ended up not being a real punishment. Good job, Arizona. We're cool. Like, would that be the case, do you think? Well, I mean, what, what reality is and, and, uh, and, and what should happen are two different things when the NCAA gets involved, because you sure. shouldn't penalize people for self-imposing a ban like you know a year ago if somebody self-imposed a postseason ban when coronavirus was not really a thing in the u.s because it wasn't march madness would they go back to that school and be like no 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 that doesn't count you have to still sit out a year like it'd be it'd be a bs argument like if arizona banned themselves from the postseason the year they didn't make the postseason (laughs) yeah it's like we self-banned there see there was no ncaa tournament team (laughs) I mean, we self-imposed a, a bowl ban this year, didn't we? <laughs> but that's, uh, like, when you look at this team, like, we'll know if they go on to have a very good Pac-12 season. Like, I don't know if they win the Pac-12. Also, if they do win the Pac-12, whether they win the, they go to a tournament or not, like, that's a good season. You know, they'll put it on the banner. It won't be taken away. You know, and, like, they could say they were the best team in the Pac-12. I don't, and we'll know at that point they were a tournament team. We could speculate what seed they would have been, and you can measure that. Like, it's, it doesn't have to be a lost season with all that happening. You know, we always judge, we like to judge Arizona based on their tournament success, but this was not going to be a season judged by tournament success. It was going to be judged by growth of the team. Do they have the foundation for future tournament success? You know, did Sean Miller rebuild this roster with a different style in a way that will compete for championships? We'll get to see if that's the case this season, tournament or not. So it doesn't have to be a waste just because there's no NCAA tournament, no, no March Madness for Arizona. In fact, they're doing you know, many of us a favor by saving us stress of having to watch that <laughs> March Madness. But it's just solid rationalization there, Adam. Yeah, right. I think this. Which stage is this now? Are we on? Um, so I, it's disappointing. Like the news came out, like wow, wait. Especially after the high of the recent win against Colorado, it's like, oh, this team looks pretty good. Like, let's see what they can do. And then have this like, oh well, that's like the rug just got pulled out from under them. And us. But if you kind of think about it, knowing that every thought you have is subject to change based on a lot of factors, like we don't know enough to really say for any certainty that this was the right move. Like it could be the best thing that ever happened. You know, there could be like, oh, this is only postseason ban. And we all know if they had, if the whole question was just one postseason ban and a couple scholarships, or whatever, that's a win. So if that's what ends up being, then cool. Starting in the 2021-2022 season, everyone can just move forward. But that's only if this works out that way. If it doesn't, we're going to look back and be like, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 something of a, a calculated risk being taken by the University of Arizona, or you, Arizona, if I want to be appropriate. Um, and, we'll, and we'll see. I think in terms of this year's team... I, I want to go back to what you were saying about seeing how they react. You know, if I'm Sean Miller, 
or as a fan, I want to see Sean Miller go to this team and be like, hey, we're going to play with a a <laughs> double make hair attitude with a swagger of, you know, if we're not playing in the tournament, this is our tournament game, and we're going to do our best to knock every one of you SOBs out of uh, whatever postseason uh, happens or really damage your possibilities, right? Um, and I think I think that based on what we've seen in the roster so far and, and knowing Sean Miller's kind of bulldog mentality, I can see that being the case and knowing that they're going to set themselves up for, for next year, assuming that there's not any further bans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at this point, all it, we don't really know what the ultimate finality of all of this going on, however many years it's been. It feels like forever. It does. Um, I'm pretty sure Bill Clinton was president when this all started, or it just feels that way. Um, <laughs> you know, but if nothing else, it might have a small impact on lessening the overall pain, or at least giving some more control as to when Arizona feels that pain. And in that sense, it's a good time to do it in 2021. And don't don't overlook that if it, that that increases the likelihood of not having one in 2022 when you're going to recruit for the following year's roster yeah i'd like to think that this move was done with some level of thought and foresight you know that it wasn't just like i mean it it had to have been they had to look into this that they understand that there were wrongdoings like this is an admission of some guilt like it absolutely is like if anyone's out there saying arizona was innocent and did nothing wrong like no that's clearly not the case (laughs) i mean the the phrasing of that of that statement was kind of delightful where it's like, this is self-imposition is an acknowledgement of this investigation related to this thing that the FBI already proved for book Richardson, who was once an employee here. Yeah. I guess legally. So it's, of course it's a, it's an, it's a partial admission of guilt. It's an admission of guilt (laughs) that the program itself, there were infractions, but what they're not admitting to, at least not yet, is that anyone who was a part of the problems is still with the program. They're passing it off on Book Richardson, on Mark Phelps. And I guess those were the two assistants, right? Like, I don't think there was anyone else, was there? I mean, Pasternak has had some... Pasternak, that's right, Pasternak was his name. So, yeah, so there were, of course there was another one. Why not? So, like, but that's what ul- they're saying. Like, they're ul- trying to say, hey, we cleared house. Ultimately, it's, it is, unless there is some, you know, hidden evidence in Al Capone's vault out there, or the NCAA's vault that is the actual smoking gun uh, that ties Sean Miller personally or the university, it's always was and always will come down to what does institutional control penalty look like for Sean Miller and the program. And today didn't change any of that other than maybe try and control a little bit of the timing. Um, And, you know, in reality, I don't, I would be shocked if we saw more evidence out there, if anything, I think there might be more evidence that is not, uh, I think we've talked about it in the past. I bet there's some evidence that the university probably has that's not maybe uh, a, a good look, but might even be exonerating, right, in terms of what the true accusations are. Because otherwise, you know, there's a there's a scary precedent also for the NCAA if it's just, oh, well, there's rumblings or there's accusations because, you know, it's it's like having a, it's not a legal court of law question, um, and I'm somebody who's marrying a public defender, so I'm a little sensitive to the uh, the way that the, the court of law even works, because sometimes there's convictions on less than evidence, uh, but there's, 
you know, circumstantial things. Because right now, all the NCAA has is circumstantial evidence and and the rumblings and ultimately that institutional control question. And I think if you're going to, all of those things have implications for schools beyond Arizona. So they need to be very thoughtful about how they how they impose sanctions. Um, and we'll see, because unless there's something that fundamentally changes, that's what it's all going to come down to is what is the penalty for institutional control based on what evidence? Yeah, I, I, I think we could probably speak for all Arizona fans. Like we're we're tired of this. Like, hopefully this is the beginning of the end. You know, that this is the postseason ban, and whatever happens after that, there's probably going to be scholarship reductions, probably be some suspension, you know, of Miller's time on the sideline. You know, like, but where this leads, like, directly where this leads in terms of Miller's relationship with the program, with the team, the players' relationship with Miller and the program, like, there's going to, it wouldn't, there has to be some fallout from this, right? Like, there has to be. But we just don't know what it looks like. You know, we're hoping that the school made this decision knowing that it's going to lessen those penalties, like you said, like that this will be it, that it's just like, hey, we acknowledge it happened, or like something happened, and this is the way of kind of ripping the Band-Aid off, and they'll be eligible for tournaments from here on out. You know, that that's the hope. We don't know. But at the very least, <laughs> it's something. Like it's a known quantity. And so much of the last three years has been unknown. Like, well, what happened and then what will happen because of it? Now we know of a penalty. They weren't going to get out of this scot-free. There's going to be some things that happen. So now we know at least of one of those things. It wasn't handed down by the NCAA, but it will hopefully factor into what the NCAA does or wants out of the punishments for Arizona when that time comes. Like, to hand it all down, whatever's going to happen, hopefully this is part of that, you know, and viewed as part of it. And if it is, then a year from now, we're looking at this talking about another team that's primed for a tournament run. You know, that's the goal. But we won't know that for a little while. So maybe this is Arizona getting out ahead of this a little bit, which would seem kind of rich now three years after it all broke. You know, now they're getting ahead of it. But they're doing something. It's movement. And any kind of movement, no matter what it is, gets them closer to the resolution and the end of this, this basketball nightmare that they've been suffering from. Like, it's the first, like, peak of the sun coming through those dark clouds. You know, it's still raining. Like, it still doesn't look great out there, but you can kind of see that the sun is behind him, right? Like, is that, how many analogies or metaphors could I put in there and make it sound coherent? I don't know. Here I was going to say, is it still raining or is it just raining threes by Jamal Baker? Am I right? (laughs) Just saying, he's been playing really well. He has been playing really well. And, like, I've been, like, their game against Colorado was a fun game to watch. Like, I mean, it's they're usually better than Colorado, especially at McHale Center. But it was a close first half. Jamal Baker had a buzzer-beating three that counted, which doesn't always happen in those games. Akinjo, Akinjo, not Baker. Oh, that's right. I said I said Baker. Yeah. All right. It was it was it was Akinjo. <sighs> I sounded so smart too with my metaphors. You, you really Sabatino chinned that buzzer-beater. <laughs> Oh, so you're saying it doesn't count. Good, good. We can move forward. <laughs> exactly. But, <laughs> you know, like the, the season's still going to happen. Where they go from here, it'll be interesting to see. Because obviously if they finish the season and they're 14-4, and four, you know, or they're, they win the Pac-12, or they're a top three team in the Pac-12, we'll say, well, they would have been a tournament team. Like, that's disappointing. But the building blocks for next year are in place. And it will show that Miller could keep this team together. It will show that this team looked at it and said, you know what? We'll buy in and continue to buy in based on the fact that they want to get better either for the NBA or just knowing that they're coming back next year to make a real run. But like, this is going to be all new for everyone to watch a team 
with zero care about what it does for seeding, for like RPI and any of that. Just watching a team grow to be the, as good as it can be. And then when the season ends, like when the actual season ends, not tournament season, when the actual season ends, be like, okay, what do they have there? You know, what can this lead to for next year? Like that's not something that we're used to for Arizona basketball. But that's where we're at, which means there is still something to play for. Because, again, they hang a banner for a Pac-12 championship. Like, you get something for that. They're not banned from winning the conference. They're just banned from playing in any postseason tournaments. Yeah, and I think if you if you close out the season well, to your point, and they say, look at what we're building for to, for next year, that's a, that's a hell of a recruiting pitch if you're confident that you're going to get to play in the postseason the next year, right? Yeah. And and when all of those guys, even the seniors, are eligible to come back, they still have things to be playing for. But we'll we'll see how it plays out. These kind of these these things have a way of being a little bit unpredictable in terms of how you know human emotions and <laughs> interactions react to them, right? Yeah. But we'll see. We will, and of course, there's more basketball games coming in the future. Uh, the first like double road trip at the Washington School this weekend, so we'll see what the Wildcats do, especially on the heels of this news. But it's easy to forget right now that Arizona hired a football coach less than a week ago. And we come back from this break, we're going to talk to a guy who knows a little bit about Jed Fish, who this week made it to campus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. And like we said, we understand basketball is a pretty big deal right now, but we were going to also talk about some football, especially because we are joined by Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, who, if you haven't checked out his most recent article, or one of the most recent articles he did, it was about Jed Fish, Arizona's new football coach. Bruce, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. My first question, I guess, and there's going to be a few questions we have because you did a pretty deep dive into the new guy, but how much did you know about Jed Fish before doing this article? Like, Was he a name that you were familiar with at all? He was. Um, you know, I've known about him and known him for a while, dating back to his time as uh, – I actually knew, met him once at the coaches' convention uh, probably about 12 or 13 years ago, but then – Kind of got to know him a little better when he was the Miami offensive coordinator um, eight or nine years ago. And then had followed his career. Did uh, I think I, my TV crew might have done a Michigan game when he was the pass game coordinator there. And then when he got hired at UCLA, I was around him some. So it, I got to know him over the years a little bit. And really from that Miami time kind of was the first time he was really on my radar. And then from there, it kind of. You know, it's just somebody I kind of kept an eye on. And obviously he knows a lot of, you know, he's knows and, and been around a lot of really high level football guys. Is that what you kind of thought of him at the time? Because obviously Arizona fans, they heard the name maybe in the rumor mill when he started popping up as a candidate. But there's like, who's Jed Fish? Like, what did you think of him? I guess did it surprise you even then that he was a candidate for this job? It didn't really because I knew he wanted to be a head coach. He'd been in some head coach searches before, um, especially I think coming out of Michigan. I think there was he was a candidate for a couple of like pretty good group of five jobs, and then um, 
you know, when the job came open three years ago or four years ago, I'm trying to remember three years ago when someone ended up getting it, I knew he was in the mix for that. So okay. it just, just because of his, uh, uh, places he'd worked and some of the people who he had in his corner, it wasn't a shock to me. I mean, he, he did a pretty good job at Michigan. And then when he left, the offense got worse, you know, it was noticeable. So I think from that regard, I think he was on some people's radar and I could have seen either a mountain West kind of job. I wondered if he was going to get a shot maybe at, at CU last year, something like a, you know, a lower level, uh, power five job I could have seen because people are looking for offensive guys. I think the biggest issue with Jed for a lot of people was going to be, he had really had his foot in two different worlds in terms of one, he had spent a bunch of time in the NFL. And then there was, as I said, I, he had had three, uh, power five, basically OC level jobs. I mean, Michigan, he was the pass game coordinator, but for the most part, between Miami and certainly at UCLA. So it's like usually guys are one or the other. They're either going to go that NFL route and stay on it, or they're going to just see if they can make it happen as a college coach. It's usually not, uh, as I said, there was a point, and this is, you know, I know some of the same people Jed knows, and and it's mentioned in the story where he had – been up for a couple of things when he didn't get the Arizona job he ended up getting on with the Rams and that way he could keep his family in Southern California didn't have to move them but also Sean McVay was a hot name learn learn more of Sean McVay's uh, system and he accepted the job and then I had found out that Nick Saban wanted to hire him as his quarterback coach. Okay. And eventually Dan Enos got that job and fish felt like, all right, I had already accepted the job. I can't tell Sean McVay, Oh, I'm not coming. And so he went that route and I actually wondered, okay, well, once you go there, do you basically, is, is this going to be the, the path he chooses? Is he going to stay in the NFL for a while? And he stayed there and then, he, he got on with Bill Belichick this past year. So I wasn't sure, you know, what the opportunities were. But then once, really, it was before the 70-7 to 7 game. But it was in that time where I was like, yeah, Arizona could come open. And I knew that he had a shot at it last time. And he knows the Pac-12 footprint from being on the West Coast and certainly having been in the mix before. I was like, I could see him being a strong candidate for that job. And I also knew that it's like, it's a, it's a tough job. I, you know, I had seen after our story went up um, this morning, I, I saw one of the comments going, they should have hired Matt Campbell. And with all due respect to Arizona, <laughs> Matt Campbell's not, not touching that job. Matt Campbell might not even take, uh, you know, a Texas job if it was up for him, you know, so it's just like, I think sometimes fans, think okay this makes a lot of sense for them and then i think that's not quite the reality that the people um trying to hire somebody or doing the search process are dealing with so i just think you had a guy who a lot of times people want offense and he's a he is a very accomplished offensive guy um in that regard so i think on that sense it made some level and i made some sense and i also think just in terms of you had a, as people see in the story, he is a very determined guy. 
Yeah. Uh, I think that's the one thing the story shows more than any others. And if you're going to be the head coach at Arizona, especially if you're going to have to build it up from where it is right now, you're going to have to really, really bust your butt to recruit and to sell Arizona to, to players and other and other coaches to come on and buy into a vision. Because right now it is, as you guys well know, it is really low right now. Yes. Yeah. I think with that, you're kind of leading into what I wanted to ask you, uh, Bruce. You know, for for Arizona fans, obviously, Jed Fish is inherently an unproven quantity as a as a head coach, right? But in your perspective, and with you know a little bit of knowledge of the man and and his and his experience, what do you think are some of the characteristics and qualities that he's going to bring uh, that that can make him successful in this role? Well, I think the biggest thing is he is a hustler. I mean, in terms of an energy guy who is going to be really, really um, engaged to, you know, he's always talked about how he feels like he's good at developing relationships. I think that's what it's going to take because you're not going to resurrect Arizona and get Arizona to be, let's, let's hold off on saying really compete for league championships, but just saying it's a team that could win go eight and four you're not going to do that if you're struggling to to beat mountain west teams for players that they want you're not i mean never mind you're gonna have a chance to beat usc for anybody in california usc wants you got to find a way to to win battles against arizona state cal ucla some of those programs for guys that they that they want in the west uh, it's going to be hard to keep some of the better players home in Arizona. I mean, you're not going to keep everybody, but it's it's interesting to me in that Fish grew up in New Jersey, and he, uh, he was connected to to Bergen Catholic, which is really the powerhouse of of that that uh, of that state, which produces a lot of good football players. And I see a parallel between New Jersey and Arizona, where New Jersey is a very underrated football state, but it is really hard for Rutgers to keep those players home. You end, end up going to a lot of bigger brand schools, whereas I think Arizona has a lot of good players, but you don't see a lot of them playing for the Wildcats. I mean, they go to other states. You don't see them all going to ASU either, and I think that's going to be a big challenge of getting some of the better players. You're not going to you're not going to get them all you'd be lucky to get most of them but you got to get some of them mm -hmm. and i think one thing from from not just knowing fish but knowing his personality i think he will have a chance to get some of those kids because there will be people who will buy into him you don't go from being a guy who didn't play college football who had no connections to all of a sudden getting on with Steve Spur, getting getting Brian Billick to believe in you, getting Pete Carroll to believe in you, having Nick Saban want to hire you. Like, that doesn't happen by accident. You know, for all the people who are like, oh, you know, he bounced around a lot. Well, he bounced around a lot because he was trying to, you know, get to be a head coach. It, it'd be different if you were saying, oh, he was a head coach here and then a head coach there. I don't, I don't think it was that case, but I think the part about being able to get people to buy in the hardest people to get to buy in are the people with those big jobs who are, you know, putting staffs together. I mean, the fact that he got Mike Shanahan to give him a chance to be his receivers coach. I mean, these guys don't owe him anything. So I think knowing that and knowing 
how hard it is to to build something when it's so far down. I think that's the hardest thing. And you look, you know, the guy the guy who Arizona fans just watched for the last three years, Kevin Sumlin, that really wasn't the same guy I remember seeing it when he had it rolling at Texas A&M. But if you're hiring the next guy after that, I don't think you're going to hire somebody who feels like they're a retread or somebody you have to get somebody who's got a ton of energy. And at this point, I mean, Jedfish has that. And I think he probably has as much energy as anybody who was seriously in the mix for this job. So what, what would you say is kind of the inverse to that, Bruce? Like what are going to be uh, Jedfish's biggest challenges to being successful at Arizona? I think it's going to be to have a physical disciplined football team. I just think for first time head coaches, you're learning on the fly. I don't care how much, you know, there's this quote in our story about, you know, Brian Billick talking about how he's been around all these guys who became head coaches and David Shaw certainly it was one of them and, and a bunch of other guys who are accomplished football people. But this was the guy he said was the most prepared at the same time, you know, you're taking over a team by the way, in the middle of a pandemic. So it's, you're not going to have the same, uh, luxuries that you normally have in terms of being in front of people and being around people. It's not to say you won't be around some of them, but it's just, it's different. And I think that's the hardest thing is going to be to set that tone, to build a physical style of football when you're going to be, I don't know how many guys he's going to end up taking out of the transfer portal. Will it be eight? Will it be 10? Um, you know, that's obviously an op- that's an opportunity he has that normally in past years schools haven't had. And I'm sure he'll probably get some talented skill guys because of his track record, and because of that kind of personality that I think he has. But to me, it's like how disciplined, how physical will, will they be right away? And I think that's the thing that it would be interesting to see who else, you know, who he puts together on his staff. We're joined by Bruce Feldman of Fox Sports. The Athletic wrote this great article about Arizona's new coach, Jed Fish, titled In Jed Fish, Arizona has a coach who understands persistence and performance. And Bruce, talking to you, reading the article, it makes you pretty optimistic that, hey, Fish could get this done and everything. But I'm wondering, the move surprised a lot of Arizona fans. What has been the reaction around college football that Jed Fish got this job? What have you been hearing? Um, I think it's... Quite honestly, I think it was kind of a shoulder shrug because it's Arizona football and they've really struggled for a while. And it's been a long time. I mean, as we put out in the story, there's basically been one year in the past, like 20 plus where they finished in the top 25. So it's a school that doesn't have a ton of financial resources. It's a tough job. Um, You know, if you had told people, I I think there's a, a portion of of the media that's on the West coast. who was like, wait, Brent Brennan just had a, a really terrific year and did an excellent job this season at San Jose state. And he was a GA there. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think that would have um, been a perfectly solid hire. I just don't know if anyone looked at it was going to go, there's going to be a wow hire there. Right. You know? So uh, that's why I said it was kind of met with a with a little bit of a shoulder shrug, but I think it was going to be that way, whether they ended up with Brent Brennan or whether they ended up hiring Jay Norvell or they hired Jed Fish. Now I think some some diehard Arizona folks, because of the you know Brent Brennan tie, 
um, having been a GA there, I think there's a little more familiarity. I think if they had gone and hired Antonio Pierce, obviously he's a former player. If they had gone and hired Joe Salavea, who is a player and is like, you know, has a big presence to him. I've been around uh, him when he was on Leach's staff at Wazoo, and he obviously knows his way around the Pac-12. Um, I think that probably, you know, would have probably played better in the, at least in the, in the early part of it. But at the end of the day, I mean, one of the things Fish and I talked about, this isn't in the story, but it was something that we discussed, which is, you know, look, if I had gone to school there, Ryan Day didn't go to Ohio State. Uh, Nick Saban didn't, didn't go to Alabama. You know, there's plenty of examples of coaches who did go to a school and maybe it hasn't worked out so great. And there's plenty. There's probably even more examples of coaches who didn't go there. But I think one thing, and you see this, I mean, right out of the gate in the story when, you know, is Teddy Bruschi, who's obviously as, as connected in terms of a symbolically to that program and when it was when it was really special. You know, he's a guy who has become a believer in, in fish. And I think for fish to connect with the people who really matter uh, inside that program and to get them on board. I think that is important, but ultimately I don't think the head coach needs to be a guy who, who is somebody who, you know, wins the, wins the press conference, not, or at least when, you know, plays well on the message boards for the first 72 hours. Cause ultimately, you know, it's going to be about what you can do for Arizona. I mean, and so the all likelihood is, you probably were going to have a first-time head coach. So people are going to go, well, he's never been a head coach. You just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, there's plenty of stories where you can look back and go, people gave, you know, whoever higher C- minus or a D, and that hire turned out great. And then you have other examples of people thought it was going to be a home run hire, and it didn't go so great. So I just think it's all a crapshoot, and you really – Unless you were in the room, and I obviously wasn't either, unless you're in the room with the decision makers who are vetting these candidates and, ha- and kicking it around, they, they're the ones who really know what, what their plan is, what they're selling, how and how convincing are they when they're talking about selling that vision. Hey, Bruce, in defense of the message boards, did we even inquire <laughs> about Dabo Swinney's availability or interest? <laughs> uh, no, just because I think people thought that he was going to be a little too pricey, but <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's one of those things where it's like, you wonder are people being serious when they say, Hey, what about, you know, again, what about Matt Campbell? What about this guy? And you're like, eh. you know, like there's a particular coach I know who's not, would have been a first time head coach as well. And I had spoken to that person and I know there was some interest in him and he was just like, no, I don't think I'm doing that. And just, <laughs> you know, it's just, I think that's the challenge with like what what sometimes fans see as oh this is this would be a great guy for this job but then all of a sudden when they when the person looks at it they're like you know what I probably only get one chance to be a head coach and if I'm not believing it all the way and it's not the right fit for me or it's not the right time to make that move I'm not doing it and I think that's something that sometimes gets lost and you know in this for for sometimes fans who have such an emotional attachment to a program, which is great, but sometimes the people who are interviewing, therefore, you know, they may not see it the same way. They usually don't. So Fish signed a five-year contract with Arizona. 
he doesn't quite get the honeymoon period that it seems like a lot of new coaches get because of the fact that he seems to have to prove maybe to himself, to the school, to college football as a whole, that he can run a program and he can turn this program like that you said is not in the best of shape that he could turn around. What would you say if there's a five-year plan for Jed Fish? Like we're talking right now on December 29, 2020. So on December 29, 2025, if my math tracks, like where is Jed Fish? Where is University of Arizona football program? Well, I, I would think the key time is going to be where is he in 2023? Because I, I think the next two years are going to be really rough. I mean, you look at what the person – like it's it's almost an indictment of USC that that game was so close, right? But it's not to say that there aren't guys who don't belong in a Power 5 program, but there's just not enough of them at this point. And so I think, you, you know, you hired Fish after the early signing period. It's not like you can really hold him to this roster for a while. I think – Two years from now, we'll we'll see. Three years, I think it's telling. I just knowing again the part that that I would be the most optimistic of if I was an Arizona fan. I'm like, how did this guy convince people who are the biggest names in the sport to trust him? Right, and if they did, which obviously they did to hire him. Um, never mind just the fact that he's been around all these people and, and most of them have been ultra successful as coaches, but I think that bodes well. Right. So I do want to see, you know, who else comes on his staff. Cause I think first staff is, is always critical. And I think especially so here, but I would not at all be surprised if Jed fish has them as a bowl team. Now, I don't know if they're going to ever be a top 10 kind of team, because they're so far removed from that right now. You know, Rich Rod, to me, was a different animal in that regard, because I had seen the teams he had put out at West Virginia, you know, um, and it didn't surprise me that he had it going for a little while there. But again, in this regard, I will say this. The Pac-12 is essentially there for the taking. Yeah, USC's probably the most talented in the league, and Oregon has young talent. But it's not like the team that Colorado fielded this year that was at 1.4-0, it's not like they were a team of world beaters. I mean, credit to Carl Durrell and that staff. But, I mean, to me, and granted, this is some of this has also obviously happened in a pandemic. But I, it's not like you're in the SEC West either. Like, I could see Jed Fish in three years getting this team very competitive because I think he will recruit better than they've recruited there in a while. And again, I, I, the reason why I say that is because I know like kind of the energy and he has, I mean, he got Dorian Thompson Robinson to commit to UCLA. You know, he's gotten some big time guys to buy in. And when you are, when you see fish around some other coaches, it's like he has some charisma to him and he has an upbeat energy that I think will play well on the recruiting front. So um, I'm not saying he's going to go in there in the next two years and they're going to they're going to get it rolling and they're going to be a top 25 team. I'd be pretty stunned if that happens, given where they are now. But I could see him by year three, year four, having them as a bowl team just because um, I do think he'll recruit well. And I do think he's not going to back away from taking big swings and and going up for four star kind of players. And I think he'll get some of them because. I think he has something he can sell there. 
you say that now Arizona fans will be excited about him being able to do that and now worried that in three years he's going to be bolting for a bigger program. But Arizona should be so lucky, I think, to have a coach get poached by them as opposed to get fired by them, right? That's not even a real fear that people should have. No, that I mean, you would want that to be the, the dynamic if that's the case, you know. But, I mean, look, the worst problem you're going to have is if somebody wants your coach. The bigger issue is if you're going through a search process three years from now, um, or four years from now. And that I think is what they're right now. you just got to say, all right, let's have some, let's have some positive energy in this program right now. Cause it's been a while. It just, you know, it's unfortunate, but between now what's going on with basketball and certainly what the way the season finished, I mean, I, I think the positive energy is, a, is, a, is, you know, desperately needed there. Absolutely. Well, to most Arizona fans, the season finished with the Colorado loss. Nothing else happened there. There was a week that happened, and Kevin Sullivan was fired, and now here we are, right? I think that's how most Arizona fans see it. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's been it's it's been a crazy twenty twenty, and and obviously no no different, or probably even more so for for Wildcat fans. All right, well, Bruce Feldman, the Athletic, Fox Sports. Thanks for joining us. Before we let you go, is there anything you want to plug? How can people find your work? How can people read everything you have out there? Uh, just go follow me on, uh, Bruce Feldman CFB on Twitter. I have a book that came out a month or two ago, uh, called, uh, flip the script. And it was really about Ed Ogeron's. It's his, really his life story of a lot of failure and a lot of build, putting the pieces back together. Um, and it really encapsulates their national title season last year at LSU. And, uh, it was a fascinating project to work on and people can, uh, can go get it uh, just the link is there on my uh at the top of pinned at the top of my my twitter profile but um you know obviously follow follow me on twitter or, or as well as as my work at the athletic would be great sounds good well bruce thanks again for joining us and hopefully i'll be able to catch with you again sometime down the road my pleasure thanks for having me guys all right that's bruce feldman the athletic and when we come back in wildcat radio 2.0 we'll talk a little bit more football Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. And, Brett, that was, I thought, a really good conversation with Bruce Feldman. It was a situation where, I mean, it's been about a week since Arizona hired Jed Fish. And the initial reactions were like, what the hell is Arizona doing? They screwed this up bad. And now, about a week or so later, we're starting to hear rumors about the staff he's assembling. We're reading articles like Bruce's in the Athletic. And you're like, all right, I, I can get behind this. Like, that's how I think. And then listening to him, of course, it makes you think, yeah, they got the right guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on the record of saying I was skeptical but hopeful, and I think I still fall into that bucket. But, you know, reading Bruce's article and the more you kind of learn, you, in my mind, you at least can see that this is the kind of calculated risk that might make sense. Uh, because, you know, to Bruce's point, and, you know, I joke that, like, did we even inquire about Davo Swinney, but like there's, and I think you've talked about it probably last week too. Like everyone was going to, anyone that was going to take this job was going to have question marks in some form. It's just what is, uh, you know, what does that calculated risk tell you is the right move? And with somebody that's willing to come in with the right kind of plan, temperament, approach, um, that's kind of why I wanted to ask Bruce his, his uh, opinion of some of those characteristics. And it seems like, you know, there's, there's something to be said for a hungry first time coach that's not going in there uh, into a recruiting, you know, living room uh, and expecting their name to just get them to sign on the dotted line. Right. Yeah. You know, it seems like 
and it seems like that aligns well with Jed Fish's apparent like strong character trait of persistence, uh, which has kind of got him where he is today. And that can translate really well to a job like Arizona. Um, I, you know, the proof is going to be two, three years from now, I think. But I, I, I personally feel a little bit better. But you know, it's 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 still a gamble that may pay off. Along those lines, too, though, and like Bruce was saying, where there are some coaches just like I'm not going to take that job. You know, it's not a great job right now. So Jed Fish is either like this is his first chance of being a head coach. So there's a lot of pressure on him to succeed, unless he may not get another head coaching shot anywhere. So either he's an absolute idiot for taking this job because there's no way anyone could succeed or he's supremely confident for a reason that he can succeed at Arizona, that he can be that guy. And for him, the nice thing, I guess, maybe this is you know the low bar that Arizona has. Success at Arizona is not winning championships. Like, obviously, we would take that, you know, and if he could get that far, then wow. But for him to be looked at as a, a successful head coach, it's getting this program back to competitive. It's to being respectable, to being a seven to nine win bull team most years. If he can do that, then he'll be an, like an absolute success, like better than any coach they've really had in years. So for him to take this job, knowing that that risk is there, that if it blows up, if he doesn't win through no fault of his own, maybe just for the fact that maybe the job is just that toxic and there's nothing anyone can do, nothing Dabo Sweeney could do you know, then it would look bad on him. So for him to take this job, like it's not like he's a grinder, he's going to work hard. Again, the rumors of some of the staff that's out there, by the time you listen to this podcast, we're recording on Tuesday the 29th. By the time you listen, maybe there's some assistant coaches hired now, but it seems like he's going to work really, really hard. And one thing Bruce said, it kind of reminded me of something that uh, Michael Lev told us a couple of weeks ago, was that the Kevin Sumlin Arizona got was not the Kevin Sumlin that had success in other places. You know, Bruce said that, too. He's like, when they hired him, like, it didn't look like the same guy. Was someone just not hungry enough? Was he just kind of tired? Like, we don't know. You'd have to ask him. That's not going to be an issue with Jed Fish. He's coming into this job with a lot to prove, probably with a chip on his shoulder and a desire to really, like, a real desire, whether he's not, a desire to make Arizona a good football program again. Yeah, and (laughs) I, I personally am really rooting for, for a couple of reasons, you know, a few years from now when Jed Fish leads Arizona to the first Rose Bowl, Pac-12, you know, Pac-12 <laughs> title, Rose Bowl victory, and the message boards are freaking out that, oh, God, now it just means he's going to leave um, because they'll always find the uh, the cloud and the silver lining. The thing is, our show um, was grounded in reality up until we started talking about Pac-12 and Rose Bowl. But, yeah, otherwise, keep going. <laughs> no, I, I, the, like, like you, I think you summarized it pretty well. There's... The more the more you look at it, the more you feel a little bit more comfortable with it. We're still going to wait and see who the hires are. There's a lot of rumors out there of some fairly, you know, intriguing names, at least for floated for uh, the coordinator roles. Mm-hmm. That if those come to fruition, um, you know, you start to say, okay, maybe there is a path forward here. Um, again, we'll I think we'll wait and see. I think you know, you and I we're both fans, and as much as we try to emotionally detach a little bit for. <laughs> being on this podcast, this is still a fan podcast and we're always rooting for the best and we overreact emotionally. But you know, there's, I, th- I think if you're an Arizona fan, it's good to remind yourself, even with like the departures, uh, through the transfer portal, like what, God, what's going to happen? Suddenly we won't have enough good players on our roster and we won't win any games. There's, there's, there's not much room to go, but, up. so to me, I feel more and more, uh, increasingly comfortable with the calculated risk that is Jed fish, uh, and we'll see what happens as he fills out his staff and they, they start to go out there and, and recruit players, including some of the 
you know, he's got to recruit players that are currently on the roster or committed to the <laughs> roster to stay, right? Well, that that's kind of like the the reality of being an Arizona football fan, especially. Is like you just like there's this people are upset. Oh God, how could you hire Jed Fish? Well, they just fired a coach that went winless this season. That was a, just an absolute you know terrible hire. Led the program to really low depths. Maybe it can only get better. And it's like, oh, they're losing all these players at the transfer portal from a team that went winless. And not to say that those players are the reason they went winless. Like, obviously, the players they've lost are guys that like you'd rather keep around, if only for depth purposes, you know, just the sheer volume of players on the roster. Like, I'm not trying to blame Grant Cannell or B. Curry or Stanley Berryhill or Jamari Joyner for Arizona's problems, but this is a program that's not in good shape. Like, there's some talent left. We know that. You know, there's some good players. But are there enough of them? Probably not. And the idea of, like, the five-year plan, like, normally a head coach has that grace period, that honeymoon period, where someone almost maybe had less of it because he took over a bowl team and had, you know, hand him the Heisman as his quarterback, right? Like, there were expectations when Kevin Sumlin, when he entered the chat, there were expectations for him and the program. And then when he left, like, there's no expectations for Jed Fish. And now there's a combination of people saying he's not a good hire, so it's going to be bad anyway. Okay, there's no expectations there. And then the other people who say... Well, yeah, he might actually turn out to be pretty good, but it's going to take time. So you wonder if he'll have that time from people. Well, I don't think there's a choice. I don't think Arizona can afford to fire him before that contract is up. I know the buyout's a little bit different than the last coach, but like they can't really afford to be going through another coaching search in three years. So I think this is going to be more like the Mike Stoops situation in terms of the time. Like Mike Stoops, it took a while to get going. You know, it was his fifth season before Arizona got to a bowl game, I think. Fourth or fifth season. And that was a – he took over the Makovic team, so it was bad. But he had the time to build that roster, to build it, and it got to be fairly competitive. I think Fish – well, I think he'll get that in part because Arizona can't afford not to. But just based on where the program is, only then Mike Stoops was a big name, the hotshot queer, the Stoops – you know, he was a Stoops. Jed Fish doesn't have that buzz, but he'll need that same kind of patience, and I hope he gets it. Well, I think Bruce touched on it a little bit also that – it ain't exactly like the Pac-12 South is murderer's row of college football these days. Um, you know, Colorado just ran through the Pac-12, and we should warn Bruce, who's going to catch a lot of heat from our friends at the Free Ball podcast <laughs> for uh, smack-talking Colorado, who was not a great undefeated team. Uh, I know I certainly caught a little bit of that on the Twitter handle for Wildcat Radio 2.0. Oh, yeah, they did not like you. <laughs> Well, I trolled them with the ghost of Sabatino Chen after the buzzer beater last night in the basketball game. <laughs> but you yeah, know that, that went well. Twenty four hours later, how the <laughs> when it comes to college uh, basketball. <laughs> but you know, it's. I think. I think you're right. I think. I think the the impression I'm getting from Jed Fish and the way he's approaching things. Uh, I don't think he's under any. Uh, delusions of what what the effort it's going to require from him as personally as a head coach will take to be successful which i think sometimes is the issue with the retread types Uh, you know i kind of don't like the retread thing because that just sounds like it's like anybody that's lost their job in the past is not somebody that is a viable coach Mm -hmm. um but i do think that even rich rod when he first got here you know thought his name would get recruits, right? I think someone maybe thought that too, and I think he started to maybe get a little more active in the last year or two, but it's too little too late. Um, I don't think Fish is under any of those illusions, and I think he knows he's going to have to, you know, put in the effort both in the in the community, on the field, off it, you know, with his players, with the current roster, you know. But 
all signs point to he's he's got uh, the chip on his shoulder and has a grinder mentality that I think will serve him well. Uh, and that's really where I root my my kind of flickering optimism for the Jed Fish era. Um, but but again, we'll see. The best laid plans can 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 uh, can, can cannot go according to plan, shall we say? That's one way of putting it for sure. That's what that's what they say, Adam. <laughs> I believe that's, that's the, the old saying. <laughs> well, I, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Obviously, thanks again to Bruce Feldman from The Athletic for joining us and providing that insight into Jed Fish. And, you know, there's <laughs> as far as shows go, like we don't there's never a dull moment when it comes to Arizona athletics. It seems like, you know, last week we're talking about them hiring a coach. This week we're talking about how the basketball program did a self-imposed postseason ban. I fear what's coming up next week, but then again, next week's a new year, so maybe with 2020 being over, it's nothing but rainbows and sunshine for Arizona Wildcats sports. I mean, I we we can hope. <laughs> like, I I imagine like we don't do this every day. You know, we're not like the reporters who cover the team and the programs every single day. But oy, like they deserve like Michael Lev, Jason Shear, Justin Spears, Bruce Pascoe. They all deserve like a vacation. I think. Is that fair? Arizona, like the the professional Arizona Wildcats media works harder to get paid a media salary than maybe anyone else. So yeah, hopefully they can, you know, at some point get to take a breath and, you know, relax somewhere and have a nice drink. Yeah, they, they've certainly earned it. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio. AZ, you can find information, the podcast, all sorts of fun tweets, especially during games. Um, generally, there's some sarcasm, and you'll get your opportunities to share some. I believe it's pronounced GIFs. Oh, don't say GIF. Damn it. I, I, I go 50. I never know which one it is, and I always seem to get it wrong. Like, the broken clock is right twice a day. I'm wrong every time I say the word, every time I try. I feel like. Um, <laughs> but you make sure you're subscribing to the podcast to iTunes, uh, Spotify, Prince, everywhere you can get your podcast. You can find Wildcat Radio. Got plenty of stuff coming down the future. Obviously, there's a there's a lot going on these days. There's a there's a lot. There's a lot going on, but you know what's we're not gonna have to worry about Adam previewing any March Madness or Pac-12 tournament games. <laughs> That's true. When the season ends, the season ends. Uh, well, at least your birthday is usually around March Madness time, and you've had a, many a disappointing birthday because of March Madness. So at least like, you can't lose what you never had, so there's no bitter tournament defeat for the Arizona Wildcats men's basketball team this season. We can focus all our attention on the women's program, which is just phenomenal, and like, I think we're going to enjoy their tournament run because... They're really damn good. But, yeah, the men's team is going to save you all the stress in the world. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, I've had many a birthday ruined by the Elite Eight matchup for Arizona basketball men's team. But at least I got good and drunk those nights. <laughs> so that, there you go. That, that's the that's the optimistic way to look at this. So, everyone, again, thank you for listening. Uh, have a happy, safe New Year's. You know, we'll catch you in 2021 with more Wildcats talk. So until then... Remember to bear down. Bear down.